Today, uh, I want to continue in our, our series, uh, He is Risen or He is Alive. I keep, I keep forgetting what I called this thing, you know. He is arisen. He is risen. Now what? How many of you know that Jesus came for a purpose? Not just to die, but he came to die for a purpose. You know, we're, we're, we like to ask what all the time, but why, we don't necessarily ask why. Okay, we know what. Everybody knows on Easter, Jesus came and died and he rose again and you know, three days later, but we say, why did he do this? And what, what did he want to accomplish through this? And obviously, he wanted to save people. He wanted to uh, reconnect people to the Father. And so, you know, on Easter, we talked about what must we do to be saved. Uh, and then last week, we talked about baptism. We talked about water baptism. And though it's not necessary for salvation, I do believe there is a grace released there when we were water baptized that is a circumcision of the flesh you know what do you do with that old man you bury him you put him in the ground right because uh, if you leave him out of the ground he's going to be rotten and stinky you ever smelt the dead carcass on the side of the road it's pretty nasty and uh so today i want to talk to you about this i want to ask you this question have you received since you believed now i'll tell you what man there is so much difference of opinion or whatever you want to call it, you know, amongst all the different denominations. You know, I mean, I, I, we grew up Southern Baptist. Dad was a, I mean, well, we grew up at Fletcher. So at the time, I guess they were, I guess, getting kicked out of the local Southern Baptist Association because now they have received the Holy Spirit and they believe in the gift of tongues and all that other stuff. Well, that's not ex- acceptable to some Baptists um, or most of them, just to be honest. Uh, then you have your Pentecostals, and if you ain't speaking in tongues the day you got saved, you ain't speaking in, you're not saved. I remember one time a little girl was in the car with dad, and she says, hey, when you're raised up that way, you're going to figure out a way to speak in tongues, right? You see, you see, you see all the diversities we, we see taught on this, this experience between salvation and water baptism. There's some people believe if you don't get water baptized, then you never were born again. And, and, so, and so we, we at Gateway, we believe this. What must we do to be saved? Repent and believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen? And you will be saved. And I love, you, you gotta look at the, you got to look at the grammar in here. Will. That means past tense. You will. It, you, it will happen. Okay? It's a done deal. There's no wondering. There's no guessing. You know, John says, I write these things that you may know you have eternal life. Not guess that you have eternal life. But we need to understand the grace of God. We need to understand the work of Jesus and our salvation so that we don't wander around the rest of our life hoping we're going to get into heaven. There's no hope to it. It's this simple. If you believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus and repent, He will save you. Amen? And you will be born again. But you know, we need to look at the, these... What We need to look at now what? He's, he's come. He has... He has, he has lived the life sinlessly. He has died for us. I mean, just think about it. Every one of us were in a lineup. Every one of us were in a lineup to be basically uh, uh, executed for what you, you're wrongdoing. And Jesus came in and said, No, I will take their place and die for them and pay the penalty that they deserve. But here's the deal, Jesus wants to do, God, the the Trinity wants to do such a work in our lives that it becomes evident to the world around us 
that we have come to know Jesus, that we are endued with the power from above, and that we are walking with the Father so that people can see, hey, God does change lives. God does work today. God is real. You see, God wants to manifest himself through the church. Not just in word, but in deed and also in power. Amen? How many of you agree with me today that God wants to do a great work in your life? And you know, and that being said, we've got all these diversities of teachings. We've got, all these, uh, we've got all these good and bad experiences. I have had good experiences in church, and I have had bad experiences in church. I've seen people who said they were filled with the Spirit do some, some weird things in, the, in, the, in what I would consider the flesh. They weren't really of the Spirit. Maybe they were immature. Maybe they just really never been baptized in the Spirit. I don't know. Heard, seen weird things. But here's the deal. I have come in contact enough with the Holy Spirit to know that He is real. That He is powerful. That He is good. And He is for empowering His people to build up His church. That's what He wants to do. Some churches won't even teach on the book of Acts because they don't want to talk about it. Why? Because too many people are speaking in tongues, not just one time. Too many people are getting filled with the Spirit, and there's too many miraculous things happening. We ain't thinking no time for that. But, I mean, if we being Christians, I mean, who if, you know, I'm all the, you, know you know, there's these creeds and there's these, there's these confessions that churches ever since the, the Reformation, right? The people that, you know, Martin Luther stood up and said, hey, we're, you know, we believe that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Ever since then, you know, you've had all these churches that would set up these, these doctrines and creeds and confessions, and all of them agree that the Word is, is infallible, that the Word is truth, and you can take all of it as it says. Amen? Then why can't we obviously take what it says about the Holy Spirit and just accept that it's the fact? Why can't we do that? Because... We don't have the faith. You think about this. When people got filled with the Holy Spirit in the, in the, New, in, in the New Testament, when the, after the Holy Spirit fell, the day of Pentecost, when 3,000 people got saved and filled with the Spirit, they had no Bible to go read about how this happened and, 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 and the way it came about and the fact of the matter of it actually existing. They just took it upon the... The, 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 the Holy Spirit revealing it to them and saying, yes, I want that. They took, it upon holy, they took it upon spiritually anointing preaching that, hey, this is something that exists and, and I want that. And, and my thing is this, is that Jesus said that I've got to go so the comforter may come. How many of you want to be comforted? First of all, <laughs> there's a lot of comfort we need. Now, I'm not saying living life comfortably because Jesus said you're going to go through persecution. But what I'm talking about is when you're going through persecution, having the Holy Spirit comfort you knowing that it's going to be all right despite the persecution that you're going through. And that when you're rejected, the Holy Spirit saying it's going to be all right because I'm, I'm here with you. And knowing that Jesus says I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so also we see that that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. And we so desperately, we know people, we know people personally that we love dearly and we know that they've never been born again and that they're headed for a lake of fire forever and ever and ever, condemnation, damnation, and we, we want so desperately to be the person that speaks into their lives so that they can come to Christ. And you know what you need? You need the Holy Spirit to help you do that. 
You need the Holy Spirit to, to, to bring to remembrance. The disciples, you know, they, they, didn't, they weren't uh, knowledgeable, learned men. They were fishermen. They were rednecks. They were welders and pipe fitters and like most of us around here. You know, they weren't people that had this grand education. But in a moment, the Holy Spirit could give them a flash of... He said, bring to remembrance the Scriptures and what Jesus said. And they could stand up in a, amongst of a bunch of people and begin to proclaim the gospel. And people would just get saved. People that were cowards but would become brave. People that had no faith could become people of great faith because of the Holy Spirit that they had come in contact with. So the question is, is have you received since you believe? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Acts 2.38, we read this uh, on Easter Sunday. And Peter said to them, they asked Peter, what must we do? They said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, some people say that all this happens at once, and some people say that only half of it happens, and you know, and all these different ideas. But today I, want, today I want this to be kind of a teaching so that I can show you scripturally this is why we believe that there are three separate baptisms that God wants us to experience in our life. And not just for salvation, but for dealing with the flesh that we live in and also so that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be His witnesses, to live in power, to prophesy when it needs to be done, to, to lay hands on somebody and heal them when it needs to be done so that we can be empowered, so that we can have the courage. How many of you have ever seen somebody stand up and preach or speak in the name of Jesus and you're like, man, I wish I had the fortitude to do that man I've seen everything from kids to old ladies stand up in situations where I'd be like uh, I ain't gonna do that because I was I was scared first of all and, and I want you if you got your Bibles I want to go with you here and I want you to stay up with me and take notes you know this is this is the the full this is, we'll call it the full meal deal alright the full package of what God wants to do into our lives. And starting off in Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, this is a, to me, this is a very important scripture. Once again, we have a, I have a book, I have books, seven books, that, that are just on this, this passage here, these six things, and it's 42 weeks long. But it talks about these, what the Bible considers elementary doctrines of Christ. And so Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, it says this. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. All right? So, does God want us to grow? To grow up? Now, I want you to understand, when you become born again, you know, born, okay, what is born again? Okay, when you are physically born in the life, you exist, right? Every one of you here have been physically born. But maybe not all of you have been born again, as Jesus talked to Nicodemus. Born again means this, that the Bible says that we were once dead in our sins. But when you repent and believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus, you are therefore saved, you are born again. Your spirit is born. Okay? It's a second birth. And that is your Christian birthday. That is your born again birthday. And, and God wants us to, to come into a new life, to a new relationship with Him, and He wants us 
to be empowered. But, but know this, you're, you're a baby. Okay? Spiritually, you are a baby again. Yeah, I remember when you were physically born, did you come out talking and walking and feeding yourself and cleaning yourself? No, you had to have help. And so there is an, an immature beginning in our Christianity. Okay? So we need to understand that. When we become saved, there is an immaturity. But God wants us to grow. Now, some people grow faster than others. And it has a lot to do with their determination, not, not to work out their own salvation, but their desire to get to know God and their desire to read the Word and renew their mind and to put to death the flesh and to come to life in Christ and to, to, to experience all that God has for them to experience. And, and we've been talking about how, you, obviously, you can't do nothing. You can't be born again without being born again, repenting and believing. But there's also, there's baptism that I believe it deals with the flesh that we live in. And then there's the, 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 the baptism into the Holy Spirit, which empowers us, as Christ said, wait upon. You know, that's, that's, uh, Jesus' last words weren't go. His last words were wait before you go. Wait, wait, wait. Where? In the upper room. For what? The Holy Spirit. Wait. Jesus didn't tell them to go, go all over the world baptizing people until after they were endued with power from on high. Until you were endued with power from on high. And I wonder how many people try to go out on their own means. You know, that's been prophetically, that was stated Wednesday. Prophetically, that was stated today. We try to do things on our own means. And we need the Holy Spirit to empower us. But he says in Hebrews 6, 1, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Let's grow up. Paul talks about you guys, you know, and, and he was talking to the church, and he says, you guys should be eating meat, but I've still got to feed you milk because you're not mature. He says, not laying again a foundation of, one, repentance from dead works. What must we do to be saved? Repent. And then secondly, what must we do? Believe. And it says, so repentance of dead works and faith towards God. Bam, right there is the prescription for being born again, for becoming a Christian, for becoming a believer. And then it goes on, an instruction about washings. Now, ESV says washings, but it says in the head note, baptisms. King James Version says baptisms, but they're talking about baptisms here. And how many baptisms are they talking about? Plural, more than one, okay? I'm talking about this. There are three baptisms that God wants the new believer to experience. And the laying on of hands. Now, laying on of hands, there's more to it than just simply, you know, laying hands on people to be healed. But for the most part, how were people filled with the Spirit? Spirit-filled people laid their hands on them and prayed for them. Did they slap them? Did they push them down? Did they help the Holy Spirit out where he was not able? No. <laughs> you won't get in a fight with me. You grab me by the nose, go to wiggling my head while you're praying for me. That's distracting. I'm concerned about what the Holy Spirit wants, not what you want to do. And, and I'm going to tell you what, when I pray, and I tell my people, and y'all better listen again, if you pray for somebody in this church, you just lay your hands on them gently and pray. And if, they're, if they have the faith to receive and the Holy Spirit's got the desire to do what he wants to, then it's going to happen. You don't have to help him. You don't have to be the Grand Wizard of Oz, right? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You know, that's what, that, this is why people don't want to mess with the Holy Spirit. Because they've seen the man behind the curtain. You know? But you cannot, you cannot deny the Holy Spirit, who He is. 
He's just not some third description of the Trinity. He is God. He is the power of God. He is the comforter. He is the, he is the one that gives power. He's the one that speaks to you when you hear from God. God, we so desperately need Him. But we are dumb enough to think, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to do this by myself. I'm going to solve the world's problems with my own goofy mind. And man, sometimes you need God to speak into your life. And here's the deal. Here's the cool thing about it. God, God did not intend for us to be by ourselves. God put us in a perfect mess where we had to rely on other people sometimes for them to hear from the Holy Spirit to speak to us. But, you know, but it's real simple. If what they say is in alignment with the Word and it aligns with what you feel like God's speaking to you, you see what I'm saying? We're not, we're not just, you, you don't, you don't just, t- somebody just don't walk up to you and say, this is what God said. I've seen too many people, f- you know, pull the God card. You got to test that word. But here's the deal. If it's a word from God, you better make sure that you test it. And you better make sure you receive it if it is a word from God. So you see this. I mean, how many, uh, uh, Christy, just a simple thing. Christy was uh, last, was Wednesday night when you got the word from Jessica. It was uh, Christy was just sitting there reading her Bible. Christy has been Christy's been reading through the whole Bible. She's either reading it or listening to it, and she was like, "God, what did you tell him?" She said, "God, I just want to hear from you to to to, to, to for you to speak to me that you're proud of me and what I'm doing at this moment." And, and, and probably even saying, and if there's something you're not proud of, speak to me as well. She's saying, God, I just want to hear what you think about my life and what's going on right now. And that was about 8.30. And about 8.30, Jessica, the Holy Spirit, gave her a word to give to Christy. And what was that word? Yeah. Jessica, at eight, the same time Christy's praying, I mean, no, no, they don't know what's going on. She's doing housework. She's at our house. And the Lord told Jessica, at the same time Christy's saying this prayer, tell Christy tonight that she's my good girl. And then that night, you know, we're sitting there worshiping, and, and Christy's in the, you know, you know just, you know, just uh, experiencing God, and Jessica comes over and says, hey, you know, and Jessica's like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And then Christy says, this morning I was praying that God would give me a word today about this subject. And see, that's so simple, right? It's not, you know, I mean, you know, no country or nation got, you know, changed or anything. But, but in that relationship between these two, they experienced something of God being intertwined and intervened. And the deal is, is they are part of the same body. And they were ministering to each other. And it's just as good to hear what, you've, what you're pretty sure you heard from God is true, right? Because sometimes you've got to have the faith from God to say, okay, uh, yeah, this is what he wants me to say. So... So faith toward God, instructions about washings, multiple baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we know that the resurrection of the dead, Paul says that when Christ returns, the dead in Christ, those that are already believers, their bodies are going to raise up first, and all those that are still alive when Jesus comes are going to gather up with them, but there's going to be a resurrection. And then there's going to be an eternal judgment. And you're either going to be judged inside of Christ or outside of Christ. That's what determines your residency for an eternity. So that's that's there. So here's one one evidence of that. There's multiple baptisms, not necessarily three, but it says washings, instructions about baptisms. So that's not an error there. That s there, that plural s. 
And then number two, you have to look at what's going on in each baptism. You have to look at who's doing the baptism and what are you being baptized into. Now, you know, so you have to look at the grammar here. So we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we see, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Now, who is that body? Jesus. And there's other scriptures too. So when we become born again, we are baptized, the, the scripture says, into who? Jesus. We are baptized into Jesus, into his body. That's why we, whether you have got a formal membership or not, when you become born again, you are baptized into the body. You are part of the grand universal church that all people who have believed and repented and believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus and have been saved, you're a part of the same church that they are. All Christians are a part of the body. All Christians are a part of the body of Christ. And then Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we see this, baptize them. Now who's baptizing here? Man, right? Into what? Water. Different thing. And then we see in Matthew three eleven, I baptize you with water for repentance. Now this is John speaking. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, being who? Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. Man baptizes us with water. And Jesus baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. You see? There's, there's a role reversal here, all right? So we see that there are multiple baptisms with these things, but let's, let's just look and see what happened in Acts, all right? Let's don't be afraid of that. You know what Acts is? Acts is the history of the New Testament church. They documented what was happening, what was going on when the New Testament church began, when, when, when people began to receive the gospel, and after the day of Pentecost when the New Testament church was founded. So let's go to Acts 2, 1 through 4. We'll call this, we're going to call these encounters, okay? These are different encounters that we see happening in Acts. Documented records of people who were being saved, who were being baptized, and who were being filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's what you'll notice. It all didn't happen at the same time. It always didn't happen in that order. Now, what will always happen? Salvation. You'll be born again. You know, water baptism is pointless if you're lost. And you, you'll never be filled with the Holy Spirit unless you are saved. That's, that's, the, that's the precursor to these other two baptisms. So in Acts 2, verse 1, it says, Then the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, who was together? These were people who were believers. These were people who had been baptized. They followed Jesus. They were baptized uh, in their walk and in their instruction by Jesus. So they'd already had the first two under wraps. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So these people were saved already. They were Verified disciples that Jesus talked to and, and said, you guys go wait upon the Holy Spirit. And, I mean, we can, it doesn't say specifically here, but we know 
because of the teaching and because they followed Jesus, they had to have been baptized. And so a lot of people say, well, we know that, but this was the initial revealing of the Holy Spirit. This was the reveal party, right? So this is the first time he came out. So, but after that, everybody automatically got filled with the Holy Spirit when they got saved. No, they didn't. I'm going to show you four other reasons why. Because continually after this, we find people who were saved who had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. We see it as a total third experience. And so we see this is the Jerusalem encounter. This was the initial, this was in the upper room. Now I want you to go to Acts 8, 12 through 17. Y'all better be taking notes. And this is more of a teaching today because I want you to see. I want you to understand why we believe there's three baptisms. I want you to be able to to communicate it to somebody if they ask you. You know, Peter says that we need to be, be ready to give a reason of the hope that is within us. Amen? We need to be able to explain this is why we're saved. But, but here's the deal. Is, does, does God just want us to become born again, or does he want us to empower us for this life that we have now? I believe this. Being born again will get you into heaven, but the other two will help you right now. Amen? All three of them will help you right now, but the importance of being water baptized, the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit is because of what we've got to do right now. So in Acts verse 8, this is the Samaritan encounter. In Acts verse 8, verse 12, it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Isn't that awesome? Women can get saved too. That's awesome. In case you didn't know that. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, why were they doing signs and great miracles? Because they knew something somebody else didn't know? Because they were empowered with the Holy Spirit. And why were they doing these? Were they doing it to raise money for their new yacht or something? So, was the, did their old, did their old uh, evangelistic suit get wore out? They needed a new suit? No, they were doing it so that people could see the manifested God through the church he willed to manifest, manifest himself through so that people could be saved, so that people could be delivered, and so that people could believe. Amen? And what they were saying. He was trying to give them credentials. And it says in verse 14, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. So these people had believed. Who came down, in other words, they were born again. It says, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these people had believed and they were baptized, but they were not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, these guys had to, like, buy a plane ticket to fly over to do this. You know, they, didn't, you know they, they had to travel there to go and pray for these people that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you think it's important? They think, well, we'll get to them later. Now it takes three years to convince people that there is, is even such a thing and that, that they need it and that get for them to get the desire for it. He says, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they did what? They received the Holy Spirit. Notice the key word, receive. I take it from you. Versus, I don't want none of that. You keep it to yourself. <laughs> me no matter, me no care. <laughs> you know? 
So these baptized Christians, Peter and them came down so that they could also be filled with the Spirit. Wow. All right, now let's go to Acts 9, the next page on my Bible, verse 3 through 6. This is talking about Paul. This is the Damascus encounter. It says, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, Saul was, a, was an, uh, an upstanding Jewish follower. Uh, he, was a, he, was a, he was Jewish, but he was going around persecuting Christians. Throwing them in jail, feeding them to the lions, or, and, and stoning them. He, he held the cloak as Stephen was stoned to death, as Stephen was preaching the gospel. So you can see how Christians might be a little afeard of Paul up front, or Saul. He says, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. So, so he comes to know who this God is, who Jesus is, who this, who this. Uh, he, he comes to know him the truth when he gets knocked off his horse. Wouldn't that be awesome if we all had that same experience? Now you notice his name Saul. What do they call him later? Paul. In other words, this guy went through such a change in his life they had to change his name. He went from murdering and persecuting Christians to leading Christians, and not just Jews, but he he was the messenger to the Gentiles. Lucky for us, Amen. And if you go down to verse 17, and so God goes to Ananias and said, Hey, Saul's coming to visit you. And Ananias is like, I don't want Saul coming to visit me. He kills Christians. <laughs> so Ananias departed and entered the house, in verse 17, and laying his hands on him. See who see, who see that laying on of hands, all right? It says, he didn't slap him, okay? He laid his hands on him, all right? Yeah, that's, you know, so make sure when you say laying, that doesn't mean to strike somebody, okay? Jesus says don't be striking people, all right? It says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, and immediately something like scales fell off his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Now, Saul had to get all backwards on us. Saul had to get filled with the Spirit and then water baptized. But we see here that, that, that Saul, now Paul, we see the three different experiences in his life. The, the being born again, being water baptized, being filled with the Spirit. Now let's go to Acts chapter 10. Verses 44 through 48. Y'all marking this down, right? I actually went this morning and I wrote... Jerusalem encounter, Samarian encounter, Ephesians encounter. Now we're going to talk about the Caesarean encounter. Apparently this is where they invented the C-section years ago in Caesarea or whatever you say that. I can't help but think about that every time I read that, so sorry. Y'all knew I was going to say something like that, right? So in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, and the, the subtitle is, The Holy Spirit Falls on the Gentiles. And what's cool is nobody got killed when he fell on them. <laughs> Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things. So Peter's up preaching, right? Peter's just preaching, right? Peter, Peter, Peter used to run his mouth as a coward. Now he has courage, and he's, and he's, he's, he's born again, and, he, and he's still talking. You know what I mean? He's like, he's, but here's the deal. Now he knows what he's saying. 
And he ain't speaking of, of his own accord or of his own intelligence. He's speaking with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So he says, while Peter was still saying these things. You know, my mother, when she got saved, Brother Vaughn hadn't even gave an invitation. He was in the middle of his sermon. And my mom runs down the aisle and he goes, can I help you? She goes, yeah, I want to get saved right now. I don't want to wait till you're done. I want to get saved right now. That's what was going on here. And so while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Bam! The Holy Spirit falls on them, and they, and they are filled with the Spirit. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come to Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Amen? It says, For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Dead gummit! There's, there's too many consistencies in speaking in tongues. Four out of five times. Four out, four, all, these, these five passages, I'm fixing to read one more. Four out of five of them, it says they spoke in tongues. That they prophesied. And I can only assume that the one that didn't say they spoke in tongues, that they spoke in tongues. Yeah, okay, they were Methodists. So, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. It says, then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? So Peter's like, wait, these people are hearing the word, they're receiving the word, they're filled with the Spirit now, I guess we might as well baptize them too, right? <laughs> Paul, did, Paul did it out of order, I guess they could too. It says, then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Now teach us how to be filled with the Holy Spirit and how to walk in the Spirit. The proper use of tongues. How to lay hands on somebody and let the Holy Spirit do it without knocking them the heck out. Causing injury to their body. You see what I'm saying? Dang. Okay, we got one more. Acts 19. This is the Ephesian encounter. I'm sorry, a while ago, that was the Damascus encounter. Paul. He was on the road to Damascus. All right, so now we have the Ephesian encounter in chapter 19, verse 1. It says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Now, does, is the Bible known to falsely label people? No, I don't think so. Because if you weren't saved, you got called natural-minded. Uh, your father's the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. They were pretty clear about what side you were on, all right? They didn't go around falsely accusing people of being disciples unless they were disciples. I mean, Jesus is the one that said, you're of your father the devil, and the less of your father you will do. No, not your earthly father, okay? He's talking about Satan. Some of you are like, yeah, my real dad is the devil. No, he's not talking about that. He might act like the devil because he's got the same father you do. But let me tell you something. The Bible says that if we are not in Christ, if we don't belong to Christ, we belong to Satan. And the lust of our father will do. We're naturally minded. And the Bible says the natural minded man discerneth not the things of God, for they're foolish to him. And neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. That's why your friends that don't know Jesus, they don't understand. That's why they mock you. It's foolishness. To them, to hear things that you say sometimes. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. You hear me? Because your mere words aren't enough. And he said to them, these disciples that he found, 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And one denomination said, well, of course, you moron. And another denomination said, yes, I'm saved because I spoke in tongues immediately afterwards. You see what I'm saying? But he's saying, no, you've already believed. Have you received since you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come, that is Jesus. So they believed in Jesus. They believed in the necessity for him in, 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 in regards to their repentance and faith. It says, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Once again, we see that. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So all but one time it says that they prophesied and they spoke in tongues. What is the number one reason why people don't want to be filled with the Spirit? Because they're afraid of tongues. Because here's, here's the deal, though. So, I mean, I've just, I've just ran through a gamut. I've showed you in Hebrews. I've showed you how there's a different baptizer and a different baptized into in the different baptisms. I showed you of five different pictures in, the, in Acts where people were saved and then filled with the Spirit and then water baptized or, or vice versa, always starting out with being born again. I showed you where people who had been saved and baptized in the name of Jesus, but they hadn't been filled with the Spirit yet. And so, but why do people resist? Well, first of all, they, they've probably never looked at it this way, or they never were taught Acts, because some people don't teach Acts in their church because they don't want nobody to know about Acts. They don't want anybody to know about the Holy Spirit in their life. But you know what? It's like these, these tongues really freak people out. I speak in tongues. Who all speaks in tongues in here? I was speaking in tongues during worship service. I didn't slobber on anybody. I didn't punch anybody. I didn't freak anybody. I was just praying, you know, and, and I'm going to talk about tongues next week because it needs to be understood. It needs to be understood. But here's the deal. There's more to it than tongues. There's so much more. There's a word of wisdom that the Holy Spirit wants to speak through you. There's, there's a word of knowledge that the Holy Spirit wants to speak through you. There's, a, there's all these things that the, the Holy Spirit... Here's the thing. You don't own any of these gifts. These gifts are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that He gives as He desires to each as He sees fit. So if you're filled with the Spirit, you could operate in any of these gifts. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have that opportunity. But why would we not want to have something that Jesus says, I've got to go that you can have, and then why would we not want to have something that would enable us to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in this earth. He didn't say go on your own means and on accord and your own provision and do what I've called you to do. He says go with the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you this. I believe this also. Some people, I've heard this say, well, you know what? There's this tongues issue, but you don't have to speak in tongues. But you know what? To me, if you deny some of what the Holy Spirit has for you, you might as well deny it all. You, you see what I'm it's like we try to, we're like, okay, God, I want to receive your Holy Spirit, but I do not want to speak in tongues. I don't want to speak in tongues. And here's the deal. I believe you could be Spirit-filled and not speak in tongues, but here's the deal. It's in you if you're filled with the Spirit. It's in you. You just got to have the faith to do it. 
I believe I was filled with the Spirit before the day I got prayed to be filled with the Spirit and I spoke in tongues. I just think that day I just said, oh, I'm going to do it. And I just opened my mouth. Have you ever tried to read a How to Speak in Tongues book? It's very awkward, the pronunciations and all that stuff. You know why? Because it don't exist. It's a faith thing. You just open your mouth and begin to speak. Whatever comes to your mind. And you know what? When you're a, ba- when you're a baby Christian, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like a human baby trying to talk. It's very weird. It's very strange. But as you begin to speak, and you begin to grow, when you get in a bind, I bypass English sometimes. I'm like, this is really bad. Mere words cannot describe how much I need the Holy Spirit right now. Usually, when I'm over there worshiping, I'm praying in the Spirit. You see, there's... There's praying in the Spirit. We'll talk about this next week. There's praying in the Spirit, but then there's prophesying in tongues, okay? And that's when it talks about us needing somebody to interpret because it's no good if you say something and nobody understands what the heck you're saying, right? I don't think it's a sin. I don't think nobody's going to go to hell over it. Just Paul saying, look, be wise and be, have a point to do what you're doing. And so all, you know, during our worship, there's people, whether you know it or not, they're praying in the Spirit. Now, I don't think we should be shouting where everybody can hear you know, me individually over everybody else, but we should not be ashamed. You know, I think we need to quit being a covert, charismatic church. You hear me? Do we need to be a sound, charismatic church? Yes. We need to use wisdom. And we need to walk in the gifts with wisdom and, and, and use them as they are meant to be used and for the purposes that they are to be used. You know, the, the gifts are not for exhibition, they're for exaltation they're for encouragement they're not for look at me they're for look at God not look don't look at me look at God and when you begin to really understand that that God wants to talk to you and God wants to not just they're not just for your benefit they're for the benefit of the person beside you Sometimes that person beside you, in their prayer time and in their, in their, in their, in their reading of the word and in their worshiping God's going to say, "Hey, I want you." To go speak to your brother or to your sister this word that I have for you. Because they need some confirmation right now about what I'm trying to speak to them. And that's okay. Hey, God is a confirming God if you allow him to be. God doesn't want us to wander around life just clueless and hoping for the best. God wants us to hear him. And God wants us to be confirmed through the Holy Spirit through other realms. And then also, the people that don't know God, and, and you know, they don't need to see a bunch of weirdos. They need to see people that are preaching the gospel, that are walking in the gospel, that are empowered by the gospel, and then they can say, I want some of that. They don't need another peddler on Facebook talking about something that hasn't done them any good. They need somebody that knows the power of the Holy Spirit and that walks in the power of the Holy Spirit, and doesn't use and abuse it, but use it for its right intents and purposes, and that is to encourage and to build up the body of Christ. Jesus left so that the Holy Spirit could come. I mean, really, I mean, how, how, much, do, how much more do we need to even know or understand about what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit? He's real. And He wants to empower you and fill you you know the bible even says there's there's ongoing feelings of the holy spirit but he wants to fill you and empower you and i don't know about you but man i need all the help i can get and so i want to ask you this question have you received since you believed 
You know, when you were born again, you, you, were, in, you, the, the, you were baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ. So if you're a Christian, you've been baptized by, you know, and the, and the, the Holy Spirit is heavily involved in your born-again experience. He's the one that convicted you that you needed a Savior. He's the one that enabled you to receive the free gift of grace. He's the one that sealed you to say, this is my son or daughter. But you know what? There's still another thing that Jesus wants to baptize you into, and that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's the of and the in. Don't get them confused. Two separate things. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes today. How many of you today would just be honest and say, I have never received since I believe, and that's something that I want in my life. Just lift your hands if, while no one's looking. Amen? Several people. And you know what? I can, I can assure you this. You know, I'm, I'm, William's going to come up, my, my mom and dad, and Mickey and Jessica, and they're going to come up, and we're going to release the church. But if you today want to be filled with the Spirit, I'm going to give them a moment to pray for you. And here's the deal. I don't believe, I don't believe in waiting for hours, and I don't believe in laboring. I believe it's real simple. The Bible says if you, if you have the faith, then you can receive it. And today, I want to give you that opportunity. And then next week, we're going to begin to talk about, now what? Now that I have received all three baptisms, now what? We'll keep going on until I feel like we don't need to anymore. But, guys, if you would come up, those of you that I asked to, to pray for people.